I've been gone for a couple of weeks, but uh, my name's Tim, and good to have you with us. If it's your first time here, we're very excited to have you with us. And uh, if you've come back, well, that's that's good too. Uh, very good. Uh, couldn't help but want you know, ladies, it's good to hear you singing. Um, you know that that last song we sang. I was sitting there in the back, just grinning from ear to ear. Uh, what an encouragement! We you know, song does that. It's supposed to encourage each other, and you were encouraging me. So if you wonder if anybody's listening, I know I am. All right. And uh, I like to say, church, this just sounds so beautiful this morning. So it's good to be together and back with you all. And uh, God bless you this morning as we uh, look into His Word in this series on uh, sinking roots and raising fruit. Got a few things to tell you about. Uh, if you look in your bulletin, uh, other than the Super Bowl parties that are probably going on throughout uh, the area in different homes and different places, I know the campus is hosting a Super Bowl party here at the church building. And uh, and so, uh, you know, when your team is not in the playoffs, food is all you can root for. So, And there will be plenty of it. And like I say, I hope you, I hope you uh, enjoy the Super Bowl today. And uh, uh, but we're going to have a great time here, watching on the big screen, and uh, just having a good, good time. But if you notice inside, Desiree Potter was baptized. Desiree, are you, where are you? Where are you, Des? Are you here? Or are you busy? She's teaching kids. We've already got her busy. Goodness gracious! Well, if you see her, give her a good hug because I think that's awesome that you know it. Uh, that uh, she was baptized uh, while I was gone, and while Denise and I were gone, there were several baptisms while we were gone. I noticed the screens are bigger and painting. Maybe I'll go for another month and see what else happens. <laughs> I'm blown away by it. Okay, well, so like I say, it's that's awesome to see that kind of stuff, and and uh, uh, just it's just great, just great. Uh, I know that some of you are asking how how Denise and I are doing, how our families are doing, and um, we're doing fantastic. And I'm not saying that to put on an air or put on a face. You know, when, when uh, family members are Christians, it's really, it, they go to a much better place, all right? And it's reason to celebrate. We had, I don't, I, I don't know, Norma might have been a little bit bothered with all the laughter we had. We had a lot of laughter at this funeral. And, um, you know, you, it, the Bible says it's better to go to a funeral than a party, and that's one of the reasons why. We, had, we, we got to hear stories about Norma, and uh, it was just a fantastic, fantastic moment of celebration. Uh, can't begin. Denise has got a card here uh, trying to express, like we all try to do this, you know, uh, here at church when we're together, how, just how supportive and just how helpful you have been as a church during uh, her mother's passing, her illness and her passing. That's what she says in this card. And um, we really appreciate the plant that... Um, that you also sent uh, uh, to the funeral home. You know, you, we, I want you to know, church, people pay attention to who sends flowers and who does things. And, and uh, all the texting and the cards and the prayers, it just, um, it was just we would want to thank you for that. Um, you know, uh, it's just, it's just uh, you, we carry one another's burdens sometimes. And I, watch, I watched uh, during the visitation, as everybody who went through the line to see Bob and, and uh, the four daughters, I call them the four Normas, uh, that how each person, each of us, when we, when we love others and during times like this, we, we lift a little bit of that burden off with each person. And I watched that burden just come off of uh, 
the Doty family and off of me as well. And I just appreciate those of you who made that trip. I, uh, some of you, that's a three-hour drive. And for you to come and spend, a, you know, a Bob and Faye came just for a few minutes. And I thought, man, six hours for just to, just to sit and, and talk, it was just um, very, very, uh, very touching. And so we, was, we, we appreciate that very much. Um, good church. You can hear a good church. Um, God bless you. I want to thank Gary, who was preaching uh, while, while I was gone. One was planned. The other one was just thrown in last week. I heard he did a great job. And, Gary, I, I appreciate well, I appreciate you, you know, filling in and, and taking care of things as well. And uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't do a sermon on top of what I had to prepare for Norma. How, how do you talk about somebody, uh, this, this woman who was, by the way, I, I made a point she was not religious. She was a Christian. There's a big difference, folks. A big difference. She didn't come to church and have God with her at church. She took God with her home, into her family. Uh, one of the deacons at the Mount Carmel Church of Christ said, uh, Norma leaves a big footprint. And I said, I don't know if it's her footprint. When you follow the steps of Jesus, aren't they his? And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't ask for a better mother-in-law. Uh, you know, a lot of people have terrible relationships with their in-laws. And I grew up in a home where that was modeled for me and in a society with TV programs that did the same thing. And uh, I want you to know, Norma surprised me. Uh, was nothing like I expected. And uh, great Christian woman. And um, she leaves a big hole. And uh, as it should be, as it should be, you want to leave a big hole, you know, when you're gone. Uh, you want, And that comes from a from a great relationship with God. Oh, that's enough of that. She'd be upset with me if I went on. So, uh, again, thanks for coming uh, today. And enjoy, enjoy the day. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy being together. Uh, you might want to look at somebody and give them an extra hug or a, an extra look because, you know, you never know. They may not be here again, you know. So make sure you appreciate the people around you, church, okay? We're in, a, we're in a series. We've been in a series uh, uh, here in the last few weeks uh, talking about sinking roots and raising fruit. You know, we found, we found this. I noticed in your bulletin it's that, that the raising fruit is below ground with the roots. And you might ask yourself, well, shouldn't it be the other way around? Well, no, because it's our root system that creates our fruit system. And you want to, if you want to know if you're rooted in Christ, you'll see it. Just look and see if there, is there any fruit in your life. And what is that fruit? Well, the fruit can be a number of things. The Bible calls fruit, it can be, it can be your connection with Christ. Do you want to know if you're, if you're really bearing fruit, if, if you're connected to Christ like you should be? You'll bear fruit. Jesus says that in John 15, that when you're connected, that, that He is the one that makes us fruitful, makes you fruitful, not yourself. And so there's, that's how you know if you're connected to to, uh, to God, you have fruit coming out. It's, it's, it verifies that. It also verifies stability. If you're a person that's like this all the time, and by the way, there's always going to be some of this, but if it's constantly going from dramatic thing to dramatic thing and, and your life is in disorder, that's not connection, that's not stability. And yet a good root system creates stability for the tree. Last uh, couple of days ago, we had that big wind that was supposed to come through. And I'm outside, and I've got this big Vermont pine in front of my home. It's huge. And the wind is kicking. I'm holding on for dear life, just trying to get to my truck. But that, 
that pine stayed there steady. Why? It's got a root system. And if you want stability and some order into the chaos around you, a root system in Christ does that. Uh, also, you'll, you'll, if you want to know if you're connected to Christ, just look again, look at the root system. The root system will show up. You'll know your connection by the character in your life. You're, you're changing. Your habits are changing. Your outlook is changing. All kinds of things are changing on the inside out. Your circumstances may stay the same. Okay? But you're different in those circumstances. That's what we're talking about here in this series. We're looking at, we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit which is the fruit that comes from the Spirit, rooted in the Spirit. And these things are seen on the outside because of the hidden things on the inside, that root system. Look at this passage here. This is the passage we're using as a, as a common text for, for the series. Notice what it says here. I love the way the New Living Translation does this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. I mean, you know anybody that gets upset when they, if you've got a kid and he starts being more loving and joyful, stop that or I'm going to ground you. Ain't going to happen, is it? Or if you have a spouse that's faithful and gentle and good and kind, stop or I'm going to leave you. Or in the workplace, in the workplace, you have a boss, and he sees peace and patience and self-control. Do that again, Jetson, and I'm going to fire you. No, it doesn't happen. Why? There's no law against that. Everybody wants to experience this. Don't you want to experience it? I sure do. And so, and so and what is, what, how does this happen? It happens when the Holy Spirit produces this. Only God can produce this fruit in our life. And by the way, all of these things... We have in some measure as we follow Christ. And by the way, fruit doesn't come immediately, does it? It comes through maturity. That's how you know if you're bearing fruit and fruit that lasts. You mature and you grow and these things begin to to develop in your life. See, God wants you to be fruitful. Now, today I want to talk about that second one. Gary talked about love last week. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that, uh, you know, get a CD. And if you're a guest here for the first time, we'd encourage you to get a CD of today's lesson because it's free. You know, and if you want to listen to this one and listen maybe to Gary's, get a free CD of last week's lesson. Then you get two sermons for the price of nothing. Isn't that nice? So, so but, but we're going to talk about joy today. Would you like to have joy in your life? Me too. Me too. But there's a lot of confusion about what joy is. A lot of people misunderstand joy. And they get it all mixed up. Well, what is joy, Tim? Well, let's talk about that today. Let's talk about that before we get into anything else. Let's define what joy is. Well, you've got four blanks here, and let's go through them. The first one is joy is not the same as happiness. That's the first thing I want you to know this morning. When you look at the Bible, when you look at the concept of joy and the, look at the concept of happiness, they're not the same thing. Well, they sure, but they look the same. They may look the same, but they're different. You see, happiness is based on external. It's the external. It's based on another word for happiness is happenstance, which we get the word circumstance. So when our circumstances are a certain way, we're happy. Today, we're going to be watching the Super Bowl and everybody's going to be excited either for the San Francisco 49ers or the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to be dependent. You know, and we're going to go, yee-haw, woo-hoo, wow, and the game's over. And then we go home and we go, wow. 
Well, you know, indigestion begins to set in. I no longer feel pumped and excited. A minute ago, I was going, yeah, rock on, come on, Ray, get that guy. And, you know, you're going crazy. But then it's over. And you're not bouncing off the ceiling anymore. Why not? Why aren't you happy? Well, the circumstances have changed. It's, it's over. And we go to something else. Joy's not like that. Joy doesn't depend on circumstances. You know, so, uh, so when circumstances change... Joy continues. See, joy is not external. Joy, is the second blank, is internal. That's what you need to see. Joy is internal. See, it doesn't depend on circumstances, but on Christ. Joy is something mental, something spiritual of the heart, something inside you, not something you find outside. You find it not on this earth, but somewhere in this direction toward heaven. Toward God. You know, the other thing to think about is, you know, happiness is based on chance. Whatever happens. Joy is a choice. That's the third blank. I want you to know, it's a choice you make. It's not by chance. Joy is something you choose to be and choose to have. You know, a lot of people get this idea that if I, you know, if the goal of my life is to eliminate all my problems, and, the, and really, you think if you get rid of all your problems, you'd be happy? I think, I think some people be miserable. Some people love problems. They're a great place to excuse behavior. Which makes us happy. Gets us off the hook. Now, see, see and I want you to know, I, and I, I want you to for years, I used to believe this. Well, the purpose of having a relationship with God, the purpose of churches is to get rid of our problems, to solve our problems. And then I was in it for a while. And I noticed that problems, a lot of problems don't get solved. Or if, with, when they do, another one comes along. Now, God is not interested in solving your problems or my problems as much as He's really, really juiced up and excited and concerned about building character about changing you. And these problems that are just kind of woven into our lives, whether we create them or someone else creates them or God sends them, have a purpose now. And so I can choose to, in those circumstances to have joy rather than wait for them to go away or wait to die. And maybe I'll have joy in heaven. No, joy is a choice we make here and now. And you see, guys, listen. Your problems, my problems, are not as important as how we look at them and what we do with them. And so uh, that's why this fourth blank is so important. So what is joy to him? Well, joy is a positive confidence. It's a positive confidence in God. It's a positive confidence that God is going to take care of me. If you guys listen, if you're following Christ, if you're you're dedicated and committed to Christ, He will take care of you. He will take care of you. Now it may not be like the way you want it to be. I was telling the first service, a lot of guys get married and they get their sinuses cleared, so to speak. They have this expectation, and then there's the reality. I was watching an old Humphrey Bogart movie on TCM. I'm into these movies in the forties right now. And it's called The Black Legion. 
Mm, you know, Humphrey Bogart. Okay, guys. He's working at he's working at a plant. He's a drill operator, see. And he's he's doing this, and a, and a foreman's job opens up, and he doesn't get it. He goes home. He doesn't know that yet. He goes home thinking, I'm going to get the job. And he's laying there on the couch, and there's this boy going, Gee, Pop, I can't wait till you get this promotion. Maybe I can get a baseball bat, and I can play ball. Yeah, kid, we'll do that. Yeah. You know, and then, and, and, and he's sitting there, and he's puffing on a cigarette, and his wife walks up and takes the cigarette out of his hand. And I'm thinking, okay, I know what's going to happen. She's going to go, do that too. No, she doesn't. She goes over and flicks it in an ashtray and hands it back to him. What a woman. <laughs> this is a man's world. Nowadays, you look at a movie. May I have that cigarette, dear? Yeah. And buries it in his forehead. I mean, that's what you see now. Right? <laughs> Baseball bat. What about a new house? You know, new clothes. You, know, you say, what, what's your point? To I'm, just, I'm just saying is that we have this expectation many times when we go into marriage or, or we go into a relationship with God, or we go into a job, and, and well, our bubble gets bursted, doesn't it? It doesn't work out like it. And, and see, joy is, we have this idea sometimes, you know, when I become a Christian, all my problems will go away. No, no. Your problems have a more, you learn. They have a more meaningful purpose now. And so you can be assured, you can have this joy, this positive confidence. God's going to work things out. Even if my circumstances don't change, he's working in my life. Look at this passage at Habakkuk. This is the prophet Habakkuk. And look what he says. Notice, see if you see all the things I just described to you. That, that joy is a choice, and it's not based on circumstances, and it's a confidence in God. Look what it says. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. Do you see the confidence that Habakkuk has in his God? What about his circumstances? No grapes, no buds, no vines. He's, he's had a drought, no food, no sheep, no cattle. His circumstances are awful, aren't they? Yet he rejoices in the Lord. He chooses to rejoice because he has confidence in God and he calls him his Savior. I know he's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of me. It's a choice we make. Not based on circumstance but based on our confidence in God. Look what it says here in Philippians 4. Look what, look what a guy says who's in prison. He says this from prison, who's been shipwrecked, beaten with rods, rejected, stoned several times. I mean, he's had this happen to him. Lots of bad stuff has happened to the Apostle Paul after his baptism. It was going pretty easy before the baptism, folks. Before his baptism, he was a hot shot. Everybody thought he was a big shot in the Jewish, Jewish thing, and he was giving out pain, not taking any. And then after he gets baptized, it breaks loose. And look what he says. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. I think the NIV says rejoice the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. He chooses to rejoice. How can you be so confident? You find out the Apostle Paul. This was not the first time he would say or he would rejoice in prison. We'll see in a minute. He's done it before. No, it's something we choose to do. And it's a positive confidence that God's going to take care 
of you. Well, Tim, I'm not always joyful. Are you? Me either. I'm not either. If you ask me, if Tim, are you always joyful? No. No. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I'm sad. Sometimes I'm discouraged. I don't, I don't know if I've been ever really, really depressed, but I've, I think I've been awful close. I mean, I think there's times I would say, I, you know, somebody would say, you need to take a pill or something, Tim. You're just, I've had people say, you're sullen. You just don't seem to be very excited at times. Anybody here identify with this kind of stuff? Everybody ever say to you that? What's wrong with you? Why are you so quiet? Usually you're bubbly and crazy. You're so quiet today. What's eating at you? Yeah, I know that. And I'll tell you something I know. Whenever I have no joy in my life, I know one of the four things I'm about to show you is in my life. One of these four killjoys is active in my life. Well, what are they, Tim? Well, let's look at these killjoys and see if, you can, if any of these affect your joy. The first one selfishness. It's hard to be full of joy when you're full of yourself. Right? Oh, selfish people put on a good air. They put on a good front. Oh, I'm having a great time. Like they're getting their way. But inside, they're miserable. And I've got a passage for you. Look at this passage here. It says, where you have, where you have envy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and every evil practice. And I had uh, Rita Roberts show this to me one time. I don't know what I was doing. I must have been throwing a little pity party. And she said, Tim, you ever thought about where this is coming from? And I said, what are you talking about? And she showed me this passage. Selfish ambition, disorder, and every evil practice. Selfishness will rob you of your joy. Selfish people are never satisfied, folks. They're never satisfied. Do you find yourself never satisfied? You've got to have it your way one more time? You know what you're trying to do? You're trying to find joy. You'll never find it that way. The second thing that, that kills my joy is anxiety. I think Gary, a few weeks back, was talking about uh, the parable of the sower or the soils, if you remember. And there was the soil that fell on the hard path. That's the hard heart. Then the rocky soil. And then there's the thorny soil. And it says that the seed was planted, the Word of God, designed to grow and take root, is in there. And when it comes up, it's like the, the, it says the cares of this world and the worries of this life. Choke it out. Worry. What are you worried about? Worry will rob you of your joy. Worry about what people think. Worry about what's going to happen. Most of the stuff we worry about never happens. Did you know that? Most of the stuff you and I worry about never really happens. And yet, worry will just rob you of happiness. Look at this passage here in in Proverbs in the Good News. It says, worry can rob you of happiness. And it does, doesn't it? Everybody's having a good time. You know, there'll be somebody at the Super Bowl party. I remember one time we had a Super Bowl party, you know, a few years back. Well, where do we put the food? I said, well, it's a tailgate party. I guess on your tailgate. Well, what if I don't have a tailgate? And I go, where's the organization? And I go, this is disorganized on purpose. They're having a meltdown. This does not compute. Danger, danger. You know, they're thinking it's, what, are the wings going to come out and flog me, you know, and hit me? You know, they're, they're dead. They're not going to hurt us. 
Well, what if this happened? What if that happened? And I could, they were miserable. The whole, we're watching a game. Yay, Tim! Somebody spilled some soda. Can't we just watch the game and enjoy the game? No, I can't enjoy anything because I'm too worried about this and that and the other. You guys, how many of us here, we worry, our worries keep us from really enjoying our lives. Worry can rob you of happiness. Another one's bitterness. Bitterness. Live long enough and you're going to get hurt, right? I don't care who you are. Live long enough and you're going to get hurt. Either you're going to hurt yourself or someone's going to hurt you. It says here in Hebrews 12 in the Living Bible, watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. Notice that, takes root. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. You think about this, church. You know, when a person's bitter, you know, take an employee that's bitter at work. Do you notice everybody around them is, becomes bitter or nobody else is happy? They're the kind of person, they're not happy and they want to make sure everybody else is not happy. That happens in churches, in families, in families too. People, people get better. They get bothered. And if you don't deal with when you're hurt, if you, if you don't deal with it properly, it builds into resentment. And when it becomes resentment, you become not better, but bitter. And it just kills. It flattens your joy. Here's the fourth one, and that's unconfessed sin. What do you mean? Well, you could say unconfessed, unaddressed. You're not dealing with it. You're hiding it. You're sweeping it under the rug. You're denying it. Whatever way you want to say it. I don't know of anything. And by the way, all of these have been in my life. At one time or another, all of these have been in my life. And this one here, my experience has been that this one is the one that takes my joy more quickly and thoroughly than any of the others. It's when I don't deal with stuff. When I don't deal with the sin in my life. I've learned that when I hide my sin, it holds me down. It doesn't free me. Psalms 32 is packed. What a passage. There's two Psalms you want to read sometimes. Psalms 32 we're going to read, but Psalms 38 is another one. We just see what happens when we don't address our sin. We don't deal with it. Look what he says here. Here's David speaking. Yes, what a joy. I love this. What a joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. He says, wow, how good it is. What a joy it is. And then David goes, but it wasn't always that way. Look what he says in verse 3. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable, and I groaned all day long. You cranky? You grumpy? What's wrong with you? Why are you talking like that? If you were honest, I've got some stuff I'm not, t- I'm not dealing with. I, won't fa- I refuse to face it. I won't be honest about it. He says, he says uh, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. I just feel burdened and guilt-ridden. And it's from God. I know I should deal with this. I know I should deal with this. But I'm not. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. I just don't have any energy anymore. I don't know. Guys, bitterness takes our energy, our spiritual energy away. And unconfessed sin takes our energy 
our spiritual energy away. It, it, selfishness does the same thing. Anxiety does that to where I'm not excited anymore about ministry or about purpose. You know, I know that. I can preach a sermon I preached five years ago and someone comes up to me that heard that sermon and says, wow, that was awesome. I've never heard that before. Where were you? Where, I was here. And I give him the date. You say, well, we just forget what you say, Tim. Really? Really? I beg to differ. I think that when we don't deal with our sin, it makes our hearts harder for the Word of God to penetrate. And it just zaps our joy. I'm not excited about this marriage anymore. I'm not excited about this, this, this job anymore. I'm, I'm, not, I, 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 I'm not confident in what's going on, and what, what, the way the church is going anymore. What's going on there? I want to tell you, church, the leadership here is dealing with sin. Are you? We're not going to hide. No, not anymore. Look what he says. He, 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 he describes this. He says, I will confess... He says, you know, I finally, he says, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. See, David finally goes, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to quit hiding it. I want to talk about it openly. I want to confess it to God, but I want to talk about it openly. I don't want to take and zap my joy anymore. And what happens? All my guilt, the very thing that took his joy away, is gone. And his joy is has returned. How do you know that, Tim? Well, look at verse 7 here on the screen. For you're my hiding place. He says, I'm no longer going to hide my sin. Instead, I'm going to hide myself in you, Lord. You're my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Can you believe that? He said, Does that sound positive? Doesn't that sound positive? I've got songs of victory. Not songs of defeat anymore. And look what he says here in verse 11. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad all you who obey Him. Shout for joy all whose hearts are pure. And how do I purify my heart? I've got to deal with my sin. And that comes from having a relationship with Christ. It comes when I'm open and honest. Now the Bible says here, uh, again, I want to take that, that verse again, uh, verse 11. And let's look at another translation here. It's in the God's Word. It says here, be glad and find joy in the Lord. And I thought, how do I find joy in God? If I want to have joy, the joy of God, He has joy. I want that joy. If I want to have this confidence in God, this, this, this positive confidence that God's going to take care of me, and positive confidence in God's ways and plans, how do I develop that? Let me give you four, four ways to do that. Four things. You, if you root yourself in these concepts, you will find the joy of the Lord, and it'll be your strength. What are they, Tim? Well, the first one is I focus more on giving and less on getting. Notice I didn't say don't focus. I, I, it's not saying don't focus on yourself at all. We need to take care of ourselves, right? But if you really want joy, you have to focus more on being a giver and less on being a getter. People go to church for different reasons. And why are you here? Well, I want to get something. Well, I want to tell you, you may be sitting next to somebody who comes to give something. And you may notice they're a little happier than you. Why is that? Well, Jesus said it this way. He said, he said in the book of Acts, He said, you're far happier giving than getting. 
If Jesus Christ was the most selfless person that ever existed, and you find his confidence in God growing, why? Because he was a giver. It was more about giving and less about getting. And if you wonder why joy has gone out of a relationship or gone out of, out of your, 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 your drive to serve and, and your drive to share your faith or, 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 it's, or somehow your joy in your marriage, your home, wherever it be, if it's waning, it's, it, could it be because you're no longer you saying, what can I do for you? But instead saying, what can you do for me? Church, I want, you, I want to tell you something. I, Denise and I appreciate all the cards and letters, like I said before, and all the prayers and the texting and the phone calls. We want you to know we appreciate that. But we don't live for that. And what I'm saying is, you know, Denise and I had a discussion on the way, on the way to Bone Gap, and she was, you know, or after the funeral and everything. And we know many of you here, we live th- you live three hours away. We're not expecting all of you to be at this funeral. But we, we sat back and looked at each other and said, you know what? It doesn't bother us if, they, if anybody didn't show up. Because it's not about me. It's not about her. You know what we were doing at that funeral? We were trying to give sympathy to people. That's what Jesus does. It gets the focus off of you and puts it where it belongs. Now, I'm not saying I haven't had my moments where I'm selfish because I, I have had many moments where I'm selfish. I'm not denying that. You may have had your moments too. But it's so important that we become people who give rather than get all the time. You're never more like God than when you give. You're never more like Jesus Christ than when you're generous with others. When you make it about them, not about you. You know what Jesus about, and said about you? Jesus is saying here, you're going to be far happier if you, if you focus on making others happy than just getting. I'm not denying that we need, I need to get some things. And like I say, you, you, you church, you supplied more than enough. But I want you to know, I don't depend on it. I won't depend on it because that's going to make me selfish when it's about what I can get all the time. And by the way, I know maybe you say, well, Tim, I'm here to, I need to get something because I don't have anything to give. That's why you should, that's why you're getting. Isn't that why you and I are getting what we get from God? I asked the first service, why is God giving us these things to begin with? When I come to church to get something, what, what's it for the purpose of? And June Benderman says, to give to others, Tim. That's the truth. That God is blessing you and I and giving to you, you and I in order to give it away to someone else. You don't keep it to yourself. You don't keep, you know, I'm just going to keep it and keep it and keep it. I'll save it for a rainy day. No, if God wants you to give it immediately away. And the sooner you do that, the sooner you find lasting joy, you'll find the joy of God. You know, Jesus, who says these words? Well, these are the words of Jesus. And I want you to notice something, church. This is the Bible calls, Jesus is a man who was, who was called a man familiar with sorrow. He knew what it was like to, to have pain, to, to know what, what it's like to, to have loss in his life, to be rejected. But what's he do? He's generous. He chooses to be generous. He focuses more on giving than getting. What's your, where's your focus? Look at this passage here in Proverbs. Here's what's, one of the things about this. When we focus on giving, it actually benefits us more. It's almost, this is almost what, like, uh, what more blessed to give than receive. 
of the Old Testament. Look what it says here. A generous man will prosper. He, refreshes, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. What do you do when you're sad? What do you do when you're discouraged? What do you do when you're depressed? I'll tell you what I do. I've tried these. I'll try a movie. Anybody go to Redbox to feel a little bit better? I have for a buck or a buck 49. A little Hollywood. Just a little break from the craziness. So I'll watch Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot him some more, Bruce. Remember he's in that, that air duct. Come to the coast. Have a few laughs. I love that line. You know. It has, you know, now there's another Die Hard. Another Die Hard. I can't believe it. But you may, I've tried movies. How about food? Comfort food, we call it. Where do you go for comfort food? I know where I go. I go to China Walk. Oh, man. That's the place to rock, man. Go to Kelly. Kelly sits there and goes, you come back tomorrow. You sit here. I know you want tea. you paying, aren't you? I said, yeah, I pay. Bring more people, Tim. Bring more people. So I went and I brought in ten. Bring too many people. <laughs> I just love her. Oh, that, that uh, General Chow chicken. Oh, Hunan chicken. Crab Rangoon. You've got a communication card. Let's fill this out and go. You know, I'm ready. You know what I'm talking about? Where's your, where's your place you go? Is it, say, is it Bread Co.? That cranberry muffin. Where do you go? Pasta house? I'll take a chicken Marcella. I had it once back in the 80s, and that's all I get. And more rolls, please. Why? Is it food? Uh, is, it, is it a cup of coffee? You know, sometimes it, or maybe, you know, I've tried all these. Uh, uh, I'll just read my Bible a little bit. Pray a little bit. I mean, all, not all my bad ideas are just food. And, I mean, I try spiritual stuff. Trying to feel better. Get around better, you know, joyful people. That helps. Sure does. And I, I get around my brother. He makes me laugh so hard. He tells the stories much better. And I'm pretty good at it. He's really good at it. And so I, there's times I just call him up. Danny, say something make me laugh. Okay. Remember one time when the pigs got out and I'm going, you're killing me. I feel better now. Goodbye. You know. (laughs) Works for a little while. You got somebody like that? Somebody you go to? I'm going to call my friend up. Hey, let's hang out. Why? And it's just to get feel a little bit better around them. I've done all that. Now, I haven't tried some things people have tried. I know that. I haven't tried, you know, taking a hit. Whatever that's about. My brother can tell you. Yeah. When he said pit, pinch hitter to me, the first time I said, you play ball? Play baseball? No, 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 no. And I, I don't guzzle down any alcohol. I, I, I've been tempted. I'm, I'm denying. I'm a son of an alcoholic because I'll, I'll tell you right now, I have an addictive nature. And I, and I try to stay away from that stuff. But I know, we try a host of things. But I know nothing. And I'm saying this as sincerely as I can, guys. I know nothing that has helped me find joy more 
than when I go help somebody. That I just get, you know, instead of staying at home, some of you are going to go home and you're not going to do anything. Or you're going to go watch a Super Bowl party by yourself when you could be with somebody else. You could be here or someplace else and, and work on that relationship, you know, relationships and, 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 and get involved and get included and, 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 and uh, encourage other people. And experience something, but you won't know. Or, or maybe go help out. And I, I'm going to tell you, if if you just try this, that when instead of staying home when you're discouraged and depressed, that and, and not get on, and not necessarily get on Facebook and say something stupid. <laughs> am I right? Oh, I'm doing. Oh. How do you spell uh? uh? I run that through thesaurus and it says, uh. You know, what is that? We say things like that, get everybody worked up, what's going on? Won't answer a text. You know, I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm just, I'm just saying, I know, I understand. I've done the same thing. I've done, uh. I understand that. Yeah, and, but can I tell you, can I tell you that instead of doing that, Find somebody that needs some help and help them. And watch what happens. I've done simple things like carry somebody's luggage with them to their dorm room. Or, 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 or simply uh, go by and get a soda or something and drop it by. Or make a phone call or a, a positive text. And I'll get, boy, you don't know how much it helped me. I go, Really? You don't know how much it helped me. Amen? There's something about that. Jesus says it's more blessed to give and receive. And I've went too long on this point. But I want you to see this. It's so important. It's, it's, it really starts with, with making sure that I'm focused more on giving and less on getting. Here's the second one. I focus more on healing and less on hurting. Now, I want you to know I'm not saying ignore your pain. You could get worse if you ignore your pain, right? So I'm not saying that this morning, and the Bible doesn't say to do that. But you know, a lot of times we focus more on our hurt than we do getting better. And that keeps us from being happy. It keeps us from experiencing joy. We're so hung up on the hurt. In fact, I think sometimes we enjoy it. We relish in it. Now, the fact of life is this. You're going to get hurt. I'm going to get hurt. Many of you have come here to church this morning hurt. And where's the hurts come from? People. I used to think, man, I remember one time I was thinking, man, I'm going to get in the Rocky Mountains in a cabin somewhere all by myself. No more people because all they do is hurt me and I'll never be hurt again. You know what would happen to me if I, if I did that? I would die. You would too. Oh, no, Tim. I'm pretty good at that monk stuff. I think I could do that. You would die. You'd go insane because you and I are not made to be alone. Why, the first guy that was alone, God solved that one real quick, didn't he? Now, I'm not sure how good the marriage was, but he was never alone, okay? <laughs> right? So think, think about this for a second, okay? You know, it, this idea of, well, it, but, but Tim... So you're saying focus on the healing? Focus on getting better. People hurt us. I've been hurt by people. You've been hurt by people. And how you and I deal with it 
You see, how we how we address this is going to determine whether we get better or bitter. I don't know, again, I may be the only person here that does this. But, you know, I get hurt, and you know what I do? I end up replaying it again and again and again and again, rehearsing it again and again and again, rehashing it again and again. Somebody says, what's the movie you've seen the most? El Dorado, John Wayne, Robert Mitchum. I've probably seen it 150, 250 times. But I tell you what, i got some hurts in me that have been reruns for thousands of times. And, that, and here's what I notice about it. And not to, not to diminish the hurt that's happened to you. Some of you have been hurt. I mean hurt big time. I'm not saying ignore it. But I'm telling you this morning that if you, if you just focus on the hurt and keep rehashing it, it's going to do more damage than the actual hurt when it happens. And God doesn't want you in misery. He wants you healed. He wants you to be healed of it. No, I need to focus on getting better. Jesus, would you agree Jesus saw hurts? We already know he's a man familiar with sorrow, but he saw hurt. He got hurt. Hurt many times. What was his focus on? It says in the Bible, first or second Peter, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. He made no idle threats, or he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted to him who judges justly. He put his confidence in his Father, in his Lord, in his God. Jesus, what did you focus on when you came to this earth? He focused on healing, church. He focused on healing, not... He saw the hurt, but he focused on the remedy. Look what it says here in Colossians 3.13, Living Bible. Be gentle. And ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. And look at it says, remember, the Lord forgave you. Would you underline the Lord forgave you? So you must forgive others. What are you saying? He's saying, don't hold on to the hurts. Don't hold on to those things and rehash them again and again and again. No, remember, the Lord forgave you. You say, so I've got to forgive because he forgave me. No, that's not just the point of the passage. The passage is saying, because he focused on healing, you should too. Amen? Because he focused on making it right. You should focus on making it right. Focus on the positive. Why are you letting that abuser live in your head and your heart all these years? Why are you letting that person rule over you? Keeping you from trying new things. Keeping you from trusting and enjoying life the way it's meant to be. I don't even know how to get there, Tim. Focus on the healing. Focus on getting better. It says, and look at this. I thought this was an amazing passage in Psalms 30. found it yesterday, or Friday. I found it Friday. What? I didn't know what to do with it. This is Psalm 30, verse 2, verse 5, and verse 11. I'm not trying to put any trickery. I just, these are the three verses in that passage. But look what it says here. O Lord my God, I cried out to you for help. And you restored my health. What's David do when he's hurt? He looks for healing. He looks to God for healing. Weeping may go on all night, but joy comes in the morning. Remember that song? There's where it comes from. You're singing verse 5. You're singing Psalms 30 when you sing, I'm trading my sorrows. 
He goes, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. What's he, how, how, Lord? How, or David, how did that happen? Tim, I quit focusing on the people that hurt me. And I started focusing more on the healing, the God that could heal me. Are you getting better? Are you addressing that to get better? Or are you just keep bringing it up because you, you're bothered and it's just going to make you bitter? A lot of Christians enjoy being miserable. David doesn't. And you shouldn't either. God provides healing. And if you're hurting right now, you're hurting today. You're hurting this morning. Somebody's done something or something's happened. You're hurting. I want you to know God can provide healing. If you'll just simply cry out for help. And watch Him respond. Number three, I find joy when I focus more on my blessings and less on my burdens. You count your blessings? Of all the people in this world that have helped me understand this, Stephanie Gill has helped me understand this the most. I am amazed. She one time said to me, Tim, if we only knew how much God protects us from, that has stuck with me. She counts her blessings. And she has cancer. I don't have cancer. And I'm counting my burdens. How about you? We count our burdens, don't we? This is going on. That's going on. We focus on the burdens. And if you want to find joy, you have to, you have to focus on the, the blessings. The blessings. Let me give you an example. Matthew Henry, a Bible scholar from the 1700s, wrote this in his diary after he was robbed. He'd been robbed, and they took his wallet. Here's what he wrote. Let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it wasn't much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. How do you see it? How do you look at things? How do you look at your life? You know, guys, we focus so much on, on the burdens if you want joy in your life, you focus on the blessings. Look at, the, look at this in, in the Phillips translation. This is Romans 5. I love this, the way the, this, is, this is paraphrased. We can, have full, we can be full of joy here and now. Would you circle, we can be full of joy here and now. I want you to remember that. We don't have to wait till we're in heaven. Some of us will go, well, you know, like Ecclesiastes, he's... Days of sorrow and heartache, but I'll finally get to heaven and I'll finally have joy. Really? You're going to wait that long? You don't have to wait. You can, Paul says, the Apostle Paul, been in prison, flogged, beaten. You know the story. says, you can, have full, you can be full of joy right now, right here. Even in the trials and troubles you're facing. 
And he says this, taken in the right spirit. And that's a condition here. Taken in the right spirit. These very things will give us patient endurance. It says here, this in turn will develop a mature character and a character of this sort produces a steady hope. That sounds like joy. A hope that will never disappoint us. Hebrews 12 says this. Look at what it says here in Hebrews 12, verse 2. We must focus on Jesus, the source and goal of our faith. He saw the joy ahead of Him. So He endured the cross, the death of the cross, and ignored the disgrace that it brought Him. Then He received the highest position in heaven, the one next to the throne of God. Jesus sees all this pain, all this hurting. Even, even in His own, on the cross, He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What's He's focused on? Healing. He's focused not on hurting, but on healing. He's focused not on burdens, not His burdens, but blessings. What are you focused on this morning? What do you find yourself talking about the most? Your burdens or your blessings? The fourth thing, yeah. Fourth, the fourth thing I want you to think about is this. I focus more on God's purpose and less on my problems. And this is the big one. That's why I saved it for last. We have to focus, if I want joy, the joy, be full of joy, I focus on God's purpose more than I focus on my problems. Now, again, don't deny you got a problem. Don't ignore you have a problem. I'm not saying that this morning. But if you'd focus more on God's purpose, those problems have a purpose. And they fulfill a purpose. Let me give you an example. Here in Acts 16.25, Paul and Silas, this is the first time he's in prison. And they're beaten, and now they're in jail. And what are they doing? At midnight, around midnight. Think about this, guys. You talk about a full day. They've had a full day of getting beat up, a full day of rejection. Talk about a long day. You know, some of you here are already going, man, it's a long lesson. You get home, man, long. Really? A couple of hours? Man, these guys had it all day. They were getting beat, rejected, carried around, handcuffed, and now they're in stocks, and it's midnight. The day ain't over. And he said, what are they doing? They're praying and singing hymns of praise to God. What do? What does the jailer hear? He hears pray. He hears he hears praise and prayer. What do people hear from you when your problems? Do they hear whining and complaining, being and moaning? What do they hear? What is your What is your family hearing? Think about this, guys. What is your workplace hearing? What is what is your school campus hearing? What are your what is your husband hearing? Your wife hearing? Your kids hearing? I'll tell you what. They should be hearing praise because there's a purpose when you're a Christian. When you when you're a Christian, you have a purpose now. And your problems all of a sudden have a whole different look. Look at this passage here in Philippians. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What? What's happened to me? What's happened to you, Paul? I've been beaten. I've been running for my life. You know, after my baptism, they lowered me in a basket. 
It started the day I was baptized. Hint, hint. Somebody needs to tell Desiree. Maybe you need to be told yourself, yeah. He says, it's, it, as a result, it's been clear throughout the whole palace guard. He says, the whole guard knows of this, has heard of this. That why I'm in chains. And because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word more courageously and fearlessly. You know, Paul always wanted to go to Rome. He gets to in prison. Every four hours, he's chained to a praetorian, a praetorian guard. And this guard is the elite Delta Force bodyguard group, the Navy SEAL 6, whatever you want to call them, type of guards that only Caesar appointed. And every four hours, I don't know if you know this, every four hours, he was chained to a new guard while he was in prison. It's been estimated that Paul may have been chained to over 4,000 different guards. And while they're chained to him, guess what he's doing? Oh, I got problems. Oh, you know, nobody knows the trouble I'm seeing. You really think he's doing that? No, he's telling about the gospel. You know, this is really, really, really well. I've always wanted to come to Rome. And Caesar's paying for it. I've got all the food I need, a roof over my head, protection. Got it made. And he's teaching all these guys. Why? What's going on here? Did you know that these guards, after 12 years, they were given leadership in the Roman Empire? They were scattered throughout Rome? What's going on here? Did Paul know this was going on? I don't know if he knew this or not. But God knows what's going on. And it was a strategic reason this problem was in his life. Before you write off these problems, folks, there may be a strategic reason why you have it. And God wants to use it for His purpose. I hear people say, why did God take this person? Why did God take that person? You know, even in our family, I listened as one of my my sister-in-law said, you know, I'm too young to lose my mother. And I, man, I tell you, I can understand that. But I want you to know this morning, church, when I read my Bible, every problem you and I have now has a purpose if you're a Christian. And it's, it's an incredible purpose to get his job done, to reach somebody else, to build, yes, to build character, to build you into the likeness of what you were created to be all along before sin come along and destroyed it. He wants to build that in you. So I, ask, I want to ask you again, just think about this. You don't have to answer to me. You just ask yourself, am I focused more on purpose or problems? And the question I want you to think about this morning is this. Could you say you have the joy of God? And if, and if you don't have the joy of the Lord, which four of those joy killers is happening right now that's taking and zapping that? Why not, why not you know, in your discipleship groups, in your time with people, why not talk about that and talk about what step do I need to take here? What focus? Where's my focus? Even ask and do something real gutsy. Ask the person that's working with you, what do you think I tend to focus on in each one of these? And God will, you know, guys, when we focus on these more than the other, 
God will give us great joy. May God bless you this morning with the hearing of His Word here. We uh, have a card in your bulletin. There's a a little communication card. And that communication card is designed to to use to... Maybe you want to make a decision today. Have a a personal Bible study. Or maybe maybe it's not necessarily a decision, but a prayer request. You know, I want to find the joy of God. And we've got a team of people that pray over these cards and pray for you personally. Why not let them do that? Why not take advantage of prayer, the power of prayer? And let God help you find joy, to be full of joy.